Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about Hope, including our worship opportunities, visit HopeChurchMemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Associate Pastor Eli Morris. So there was this defendant on trial for murder, and there's very strong evidence against him, but there was, there was no body, there was no corpse. And um, in the defense's closing statement, the lawyer, knowing his client probably would be convicted, resorted to a trick. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I have a surprise for you all. This uh, lawyer said, as he looked down at his watch, he said, within the next minute, the person presumed dead in this case will walk into this courtroom and he looked toward the courtroom door. The jurors, of course, they were stunned. They, they, they all looked on eagerly and a minute passed and nothing happened. Finally, the lawyer said, actually, I made up the previous statement. But you all looked on in anticipation. Therefore, I put to you that you have a reasonable doubt in this case as to whether anyone was killed, and I insist that you return a verdict of not guilty. The jury retired to deliberate. Just a few minutes later, jury returned, pronounced a verdict of guilty. But how, the lawyer said. You must have had some doubt. I saw every one of you stare at that door. And the jury foreman replied, oh yes, sir. We looked at the door, but your client didn't. I don't know, any, I see some of my attorney friends in here. I'm sorry about that. You would never pull that trick. We're gonna talk about doubt today. Doubt. We're in a series uh, here at Hope that we're calling the fourth day. You know, when it comes to Easter, we all know what happened on the third day, on Resurrection Sunday. But what about the days to follow? How, how did the followers of Jesus live on the fourth day, the fifth day, and beyond? Any, any of you got nicknames? Some of you probably got nicknames. Nicknames can be a really fun thing to have. Like uh, Irvin Magic Johnson, Anthony Penny Hardaway, Kobe the Black Mamba Bryant, Pistol Pete Maravich. Y'all remember Daryl Dawkins' nickname? Chocolate Thunder, anybody remember that? He was great. One of, uh, one of Jesus' disciples actually had two nicknames. His given name is Thomas, and his nickname as recorded in John 20 is the twin. But you probably know him by his other nickname. What was that? Doubting Thomas. John 20 says this. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They, they, they told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put, put your fingers here. 
Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Doubting Thomas. I, I like chocolate thunder much better than doubting Thomas, I think. Everybody struggles from time to time with spiritual doubt. I do. Sometimes we hit a spot in our spiritual lives where doubt becomes a, a constant companion. Some of us are in a season of doubt right now. And, and if you're not, be patient. Because you most probably will be at some time. Something will happen that will leave you with questions and doubts. Some of you right now have a family member, a friend, a coworker who's going through a season of doubt. God knows that when life is easy and comfortable, our tendency is to forget about him. That's exactly what he says to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 6, when they're about to enter the promised land and Moses says this to them. He says, it is a land with large prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. When things are going great, we sometimes have a tendency to forget about God, but when things get rough, or we don't understand why we're in such a lousy place, our tendency may be to doubt God. And if that happens to you, first of all, let me tell you, don't freak out about it. It's okay. Doubt comes naturally to us all. And just because you become a Jesus follower doesn't mean that all of your doubts and questions are answered. In fact, the Bible is filled with men and women who were fully devoted followers of God, but who regularly questioned God. Like Thomas. God is most interested in our relationship with him. Pay attention to this, it's very important. When we face doubt in our lives, it is our nature to look for reasons it is God's nature to offer relationships. We think the answer to our doubt is explanations. God says the answer to our doubts is him. God is far more interested in a relationship than in providing a bunch of explanations for our doubts. But we want explanations. We're very much like Thomas. Jesus had been resurrected from the dead and he appeared to the disciples one day. Thomas wasn't there, right? He heard the stories, but he insisted upon proof. And did you catch this part? After Thomas saw Jesus and after he touched him, Jesus puts a higher premium on faith than on visible proof. Jesus said to Thomas, you believe because you have seen me. Then he said, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Blessed are those who, who don't have all the answers, but they choose to trust anyway. Blessed are those whose, whose mind are, fi is, are filled with doubts, yet they choose faith anyway.
I'm here to tell you today that there can be great value in doubts. Some of the greatest times of growth in my Christian life have come during times of doubt. So how? Here are a few thoughts. I I think doubt is okay when it drives me to God. When all of a sudden my life is turned upside down, something doesn't make sense, or or I'm facing a crisis, often I'm, I'm more apt to seek God's help. I'm more apt to spend more time talking to God. A guy by the name of Asaph wrote Psalm 77, and he begins in verse one with these words. Psalm 77, one. I cry out to God, yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord all night long. I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. Asaph, you will come to find out in a minute, has huge doubts. And yet his first response is to go to God with his questions. As important as it is for for you to, to read good Christian books, for you to turn to your small group, for you to come here on the weekends and during the week and learn about God or to tune in with us, there are just some times that have to be between you and God. There is no shortcut. So how else can we find value in doubt? Well, I think doubt is okay when it forces me to wrestle with life's difficult questions. Back to Asaph. Listen to some of his doubts. Listen to his agony. Listen to his struggle. His brutally honest questions to God. Check this out. He says, I think of the good old days long since ended when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? Let those questions sink in for just a minute. What's the common thread that holds all these questions together? It's doubt. Will God reject us forever? Has God forgotten how to be merciful to me? Now, now to be honest, some churches don't encourage those kinds of questions. Some Christians pretend to have all the right answers to life's toughest questions. But honestly, there are times when we all struggle with doubts, and I'm glad to be a part of a church where it's okay to just be real about this kind of stuff. It's okay for us to show up with raw questions. God isn't threatened by those questions, and the church shouldn't be threatened either. Questions like, why me, God? Or, God, where are you in this? What is your plan in allowing me to go through this horrible experience at this time in my life? Those are all important questions. And until, and until times of doubt and crisis comes, often we don't get to those. Here's another. Doubt is okay when it can deepen my faith. When, when you walk through times of doubt and you come out on the other side, often your faith is deepened. Your confidence in God is strengthened. 
A couple of years ago, one of my real heroes passed away suddenly at age 37. Her name was Rachel Held Evans. And I love this quote from Rachel. She says, faith isn't about having everything figured out ahead of time. Faith is about following the quiet voice of God without having everything figured out ahead of time. It is in those times of surrender that you really begin to learn to trust God and trust that even when you, when you don't understand, he is a good God and he can be trusted. And, and when you walk through that sequence, doubt to surrender to trust, doubt to surrender to trust, it equals freedom. Because see, now you have the freedom to not have to be in control. You know, when you go, when you go to, to Target or wherever it is you shop, sometimes you'll see that they have a, a featured item, you know, of the day. What happens when doubt becomes your, your featured item? Here's, here's three practical thoughts. The first is this. Remember God's track record. Remember God's track record. What has God done in the past? See, Asaph begins to come around when he thinks of God's track record. In verse 11, he says, I, I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about them. See, God has this amazing track record of being a faithful God. It's kind of like getting on a plane. You know, when I fly, I don't worry about the plane crashing. Why? Well, in all the times I've flown, I've never crashed one single time. Now, I know on very rare occasions, planes crash, but that doesn't keep me from flying. And I started thinking, God's track record is way better than that. He never crashes. So in this journey of life, you don't have to be nervous. You don't have to be anxious because God has this incredible track record. So, so remember his track record. Second thing. Trust God's character and power. Again, here, here's Asaph, and, and he's in his doubt recovery program by this point. Verse 13. Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of miracles and wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. You know, when I, when I think about God's power, I also think about a passage of scripture in Isaiah 40 that I love. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Because you see, creation, my friend, is the story of God's power and God's faithfulness. When I look up at the stars at night, it helps me understand how big God is and how small I am, that I am not the center of the universe. There's a certain freedom that comes from embracing our smallness, I think. Because even though at times it, it, it may seem like our world is out of control, the world is never out of control. It not only helps me deal with my, my doubts when I realize God's power, but it also helps when I realize God's character, that God's character can be trusted. Psalm 34, uh, eight says, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Oh, the joys of those who trust in him. Now, I, I don't know what kind of family uh, you grew up in. It may have been a, a great family. It may have been a horrible situation. I had the privilege of growing up in a family with very loving parents. I, I never one time, it never one time crossed my mind that my dad didn't always have my best interest at heart. Even, even when I didn't understand it, even when I didn't like it, I never one time doubted his character. And if that's true of my dad, an earthly dad, with imperfections and flaws, how much more is that true of my heavenly father? I mean, part of God's character is that he loves us even when we doubt. Do you think Jesus quit loving Thomas when he struggled with his doubts? There's no chance in the world. He loves us even when we doubt, even when we stumble, even when we fail. That's why I can believe that even when his hand cannot be traced, his heart can still be trusted. The author of Hebrews writes these words, God cannot tell lies. And so his promises and vows are, are two things that can never be changed. We have run to God for safety. Now his promises should greatly encourage us to take hold of the hope that is right in front of us. This hope is like a firm and steady anchor for our souls. In fact, hope reaches behind the curtain and into the most holy place. There's one last thing that he does that I want us to learn from today, and that is this. Embrace God's future. Embrace God's future for us. After all his questions and doubts, early in chapter 77, Asaph concludes in verse 15, you have redeemed your people by your strength. Now, redeemed is, is kind of a churchy word. Maybe you're not real sure what it means, but it simply means to be bought, bought back. For those of us who have entered into a personal relationship with Christ, we are redeemed. We have been spiritually changed and transformed. We have been bought back. We have been given eternal life. That's why in Titus 2.13 we read, we are filled with hope as we wait for the glorious return of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So even in this life of confusion and doubt and questions, the destination can be absolutely clear. In fact, look, look at this great promise from 1 Corinthians 2. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But we know these things because God has revealed them to us by his spirit. Jim Collins, in his book, Good to Great, recounts this fascinating discussion he had with Admiral Jim Stockdale. Now, Stack, Admiral Stockdale was the, the highest ranking military officer as a POW in the camp that was known as the Hanoi Hilton during the Vietnam War. From 1965 to 1973, Admiral Stockdale was in that camp. He's, he's tortured more than 20 times. John McCain was in that camp. He was in that same camp from 67 to 73. And when, when, when Jim Collins asked the Admiral how he made it through those times of uncertainty in the camp, listen to what the Admiral said. He said, I never lost faith in the end of the story. 
I never lost faith in the end of the story. He said, I never doubted, not only would I get out, but also I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I would never trade. See, he had hope. And biblical hope is not passive waiting. Biblical hope is not ignorant denial. It is not wishful thinking. Biblical hope is not blind optimism. It is facing your doubts head on and clinging to a God-promised future anyway. That's what biblical hope is. Facing your doubts head on and clinging to a God-promised future anyway. You remember old Job, don't you, whose life was completely turned upside down, who got no answers from heaven, whose mind was, was, was filled with doubts, yet, yet it still says in Job 19, he said, but as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body, I will see God. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. I am overwhelmed at the thought. In spite of this uncertainty of his circumstances, he was absolutely certain about what? His future, his destiny his hope. Church tradition and history tells us that following the resurrection of Jesus, Thomas traveled outside of the Roman Empire as a missionary. Most believe he traveled all the way to India with the gospel. To this day, he is venerated as the patron saint of India. Tradition holds that this man of doubt built seven churches in India from 52 to 72 AD. And he was martyred in 72 AD during prayer on what is now called St. Thomas Mount on the Bengal coast. He was buried in Mylapore, India. And in 1258, Thomas, Thomas's remains were transported to Ortona, Italy, where they reside today in the cathedral of St. Thomas. Look, everybody doubts. Everybody doubts. The question is, how will you use your doubts to your advantage? Or are your doubts gonna take advantage of you? God does not want you to doubt. And God doesn't want doubt to overwhelm you. God wants God to overwhelm you. God wants God to overwhelm you. Let's pray together. Lord, without question, there are a number of us going through a season of doubt in our life right now. Lord, we're struggling and we don't have the answers and we're not sure what you might be trying to do in our lives. I pray that your presence would be real to us, that we would understand who you are and the kind of track record you have and that you're a God of good character, and you'd, you'd never try to do anything to try to hurt us, and that you have promised us a sure and certain future. So Lord, I pray that our faith would begin to move, that it would begin to soar, and that we wouldn't seek so much of an explanation as much as we would seek 
you. Because you, God, are a good God and a gracious Father. We surrender ourselves to you and we say to you that we love you and that we trust you and that we give our lives to follow you. In the strong name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openheisen, Musical Worship Director at Hope. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to hit subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship experience, visit us online at hopechurchmemphis.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Again, thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast.